Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Voices of E-Learning, supported by MarketScale. I'm your podcast, podcast host, Lena Marie Saleh, the EdTech Guru. And on today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest whom I've had the pleasure of connecting with offline and online. And I've been following her journey over the past year or so and watched her new venture really take off. Our guest today is Riti Saraf, the CEO and founder of K20 Educators. K20 Educators is a globally inclusive social learning platform for educator learning and career growth, where they're working on dismantling global silos in education. So let's go ahead and kick this off with you, Riti, telling us a little bit about the work that you're doing and a little bit of your backstory. Great. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Um, So the platform that we're building and the community that we're building is really meant for empowering educators around the world. We believe that if we can dismantle global silos, as you said, or break down the the isolated environments that educators often work in, then we can actually progress education as a whole. The education industry is really interesting because we all are striving towards the exact same goal, right? There are very few other industries that uh, have the same goal in mind when they're operating on a daily basis. All of us in education do what we do because we want to impact the next generation. None of us are doing it because we want to make money or we want fame or we want, you know, notoriety or anything like that. Um, because we know that, you know, in this uh somewhat broken system, we're not going to get that. So the reason we do it is because we want to progress the next generation. And so if we all have the same goal, then why not share, collaborate, connect, uh, and help uplift each other? And so that's really the, the fundamental principle of what we're doing with K20. We really want to make sure that educators um, have an environment where they can find each other, can connect with each other, share resources with, with each other, and uplift each other. So that's really the foundation of it. And I think it's so powerful as we've you know discussed offline and online is just exactly what you're saying. Teachers don't do it for the money. We do it to impact our, you know, our, the future and just bring our love of learning to to students basically. And um, and I think what you're saying about being able to inspire that collaboration and giving that that inclusive space is so important. And I think it's something that we've really seen grow exponentially over the last year or so. Um, It's really started that fire. And so I think why I find the work that you do so powerful is that you're really helping to keep fueling the fire. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there are a lot of really fantastic apps and technology that have emerged in the last year and a half that have enabled that. And some of this technology has been around for a while, right? So if we take Clubhouse, for example, uh, drop-in audio chats have actually been around pre-Clubhouse. But the reason Clubhouse took off is because there was this um, this deep desire to connect with people during the lockdown, right? And the audio chat was a really accessible way to do that. And educators came on to uh, Clubhouse much later on about in December and, and January of, of this year. 
But when they did, they realized how important it was to connect with each other and to share their stories with each other and share their best practices with each other. And it, it just became such a powerful experience. So I think the the last year and a half of, of the emerging technology that's come out has, has made it even more powerful and accessible to the world. I agree completely. And I think the powerful piece of those audio chats too has been that it's, I think it's less intimidating. A lot of times when you're at a big conference or, you know, you're there, you see people, but you're just kind of get a little bit of anxiety. You don't want to just like go and approach someone. Uh, but in an audio chat, you're listening to what people are saying and you can just hop on when you have something. So you're not competing for so many different um, voices in the room. You're just kind of there and, and able to really speak your piece that matches to the to exactly what everyone's exploring topic-wise well, in that room. I think that's an important point to make, which is, you know, a lot of our experiences, especially in professional learning as educators, are not human-centered. A lot of these experiences are very top-down. They're very um, didactic in nature. There are so many instances, instances where we are being taught how to do things like project-based learning, which is totally hands-on, but we're being lectured at, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it is important to say that we have changed in the last year in terms of what we believe good professional learning and good uh, engagement to be because we've had so much more of it. And so uh, there are so many different ways that we, we can sort of talk about this. One is, you know, the, the clubhouse thing, which is like, access is really important. The fact that it's not intimidating, the fact that it's easy to do, the fact that you can do it in your pajamas in your bed, right? That's an important thing because it's truly accessible. But then the other part of it is there are all of these new technologies that have come out uh, with AR, VR, and um, avatar-based platforms. And those are really fantastic because they allow you to shape an engagement online that is very immersive and very engaging. And we think that only students need that, that are, you know, below the age of 18, but educators and adults need that too. And we actually started uh, this entire concept of K-20 educators with the first gamified conference for educators in January, which was a totally choose your own adventure professional learning experience um, over nine hours on a Saturday. And we, we learned that that was actually a much better way to engage educators and much uh, more important to make it educator and human centered than, than to do these sort of like, you know, PowerPoint presentation, you know, PDs that have been happening for years. Yeah. Where you just want to hit the snooze button and hope you can kind of, you know, everyone's checked out and not really, you know, as engaged as we would like them to be. And I think exactly what you're saying, the conference that you put on, um, hearing from, you know, uh, educators listening on LinkedIn and Twitter and everywhere that these conversations are happening is that that's exactly what they want to be able to do is to be able to connect with each other, even through this AI, you know, VR type of, of way. Um, it's just really been, I think, a powerful movement to be able to actually have that like authentic conversation. And when you sit there and you're in these rooms for the first time, I think they're actually, teachers are actually given the chance to collaborate because when you're doing those presentations, right, you're just sitting there, just a one-to-one -one, kind of just hanging out. But this way you're kind of building that community. And I think that's what's so um, powerful. Yeah, and, and you mentioned AI, and after this we can move on, but this is all really interesting. Um, you mentioned AI. AI is, there is so much cool stuff happening with AI right now. And, and I think that as educators, we need to see this technology as something that will enhance our experience and we need to embrace it. And we need to leverage it and take advantage of it. I think a lot of times we're a little afraid that it's going to change the way that we 
teach and it's going to be less about the student and more about the technology or less about the teacher and more about the technology, but it's only going to be that way if we let it, right? And I think if we as educators can leverage and um, galvanize that technology for good, I think it's going to be such a better experience. I'll give you an example. So uh, AI, right? There, there's many ways to look at AI in the sort of uh, most simplistic form. It's a way to curate experiences, right? So one of the ways that we're leveraging AI, uh, AI at K20 is we're uh, using profiles that educators set up to match them with educators around the world. So imagine getting a weekly, monthly, however frequent you want match that says, hey, Lena, you are really interested in podcasting, in professional uh, learning, in project-based learning, in AI and experiential learning. And there is an educator based in the Maldives that is also interested in those things. Do you guys want to connect and have a chat? Like how incredible would that be if we could create these like, you know, PLCs or collaborative environments with the use of AI? And then in the most um, advanced form, I actually just uh, talked to this um, really incredible nonprofit CEO that is creating AI that is uh, taking the information from all over the internet and creating bots that will allow you to ask them questions of itself. So you can walk up to a sunflower and ask it about itself and it will tell you everything about itself based on all of the information on the internet, right? So the, the possibilities are, are so cool and imagine leveraging that for education. And I think Exactly. That of a sunflower is so exciting to me. Like how cool is that if a student walks up and they're able to have this really immersive experience with a sunflower, it's going to give them, they're going to feel more connected and they're going to be more excited and they're going to want to continue to, you know, have that, they want to continue to grow in a, in a different kind of way. And I think what you're saying about leveraging and matching, I think that's an important, you know, Tinder and Bumble and all those things had a very revolutionary way in like the dating world. Um, but we've been so desperately seeking it, I think, in other areas. And so having that match is somebody that you would have never, you would have never been exposed to that person or probably ever met them. So not only is it expanding your PLC locally, you're being able to expand globally and then be able to kind of see that the same issues and problems are existing in both areas. So how can you leverage that to support each other from afar? Yeah, exactly. Right yeah. on. Yeah, I love that. And the bots too. That's really cool. Um, okay, so let's just talk about a little bit um, kind of about how K-20 itself has kind of evolved from obviously what we've experienced these crazy past few years of the pandemic. But I think that you guys have pivoted in a really great way. So I'd love for you to share a bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So we are still babies. We we were uh, born on January of this year. Uh, so we're only about seven months old and we are still evolving. We're still learning and we're still iterating. And that's the best part about a startup that you can take the feedback of your uh, of your user base and learn and grow with them. And our goal is to help educators evolve as the world evolves, right? And so that means that our platform and our product needs to evolve with it. And so when we started, like I said, we started with the Gamified on conference uh, on GatherTown, which is an avatar-based platform. And the purpose was to create a different type of professional learning experience and um, allow educators to uh, be completely immersive, immersed and engaged, right? And so that was a really wonderful learning and uh, people seemed to really gravitate towards it. In fact, at, because of that conference, actually, we, we gained a, you know, 
a global brand from day one, which was really lovely. But we started off as a social network, right? We started off as a concept of let's replace large social networks like Facebook or Reddit or, or even, you know, perhaps LinkedIn or educators specifically, uh, just because we, we know that educators have specific needs and specific um, uh, portfolios and profiles that aren't always showcased in the best way in these larger platforms. And so that's what we thought. Let's, let's create something that will allow educators to do that. But as we started engaging with educators, we realized that there's so much more that needs to be done in order to empower them and to ensure that their um, effect, their learning experiences are more efficacious. And so we started creating what we called masterminds, which are monthly Skillshare events that are facilitated by our members. And then we started creating socials and we're doing an incubator soon. And we also launched a think tank. And the purpose of all of these programs was to bring opportunities to educators that would stimulate them in their current profession, in their current role, but they would also allow them to expand beyond their role and learn something that, you know, they wouldn't be able to if they were uh, not part of these programs. And so just some examples. So for the masterminds, we have AR, VR masterminds. Uh, we have makerspace masterminds that are coming up, professional lear uh, personalized learning. We just did a mastermind with ISTE on NFTs and blockchain. And again, the purpose of these are, are just to teach the educator community about new concepts. And they're uh, mostly member-led and will allow it, uh, members to basically uh, share skills with each other. So that's our masterminds. But we also have think tanks. Uh, we just launched one with GatherTown. Uh, it's a virtual world-building think tank, which will, uh, it's a four-month four fellowship. And our think tanks are generally four to six months. And it will give educators a little bit of a stipend. It will give them training on action research from a professor at Northeastern University. It will give them training on build in public, which is basically allowing them to share with the world what they're doing, their successes and their failures. And um, it will also allow them to uh, engage the world's educators through different types of challenges, competitions, um, documentation, frameworks, things like that. So um, all of these programs are basically meant to um, bring, you know, interesting opportunities to educators. But then there's a third iteration that's happening right now. So uh, the third iteration is towards what we call the eduverse. We're taking the idea from the metaverse, which is um, right now, because we have so much incredible technology available to us on the internet and through the internet, all these apps and things like that, we have uh, a little bit of a decentralized system for accessing all the things that we need on the internet, right? So for example, a typical user might want to access their social media, they might want to access their, um, you know, their professional learning opportunities on Google, they might want to access uh, their YouTube channel or so on and so forth. There are so many things that they want to do in order to develop as humans. And so the metaverse basically allows you to connect all of those things. It allows you to have a centralized location that will uh, create an immersive environment where you can walk over to any of these experiences and not have to, you know, open up a thousand different tabs to do that. And so we thought, well, one, it's really important that we provide that opportunity to educators first, right? Why is it that educators are always last to find out or yeah, to integrate exactly. with all of these new technologies? And so the, one of the goals of K-20 educators is to bring the metaverse or the eduverse to educators. And so the way that we're configuring the eduverse is uh, we're starting off with the social network as we have it, um, but we're also integrating some social media into it. We're also integrating professional learning uh, libraries into it. We're integrating projects into it. 
But moving forward in the next year and a half, we're actually building an immersive environment that's going to be avatar-based, right? So imagine being able to walk into a school that's based on the other side of the planet and being able to engage with the teachers in the teacher's lounge that, that are there. Imagine being able to walk into a building that is uh, dedicated just to Google or to CodeMonkey and um, being able to test products that are readily available there. Or being able to bump into somebody that you haven't seen in a while um, as an avatar and being able to walk into a cafe and enjoy their, their company. So we're, we're building that specifically for educators because we, we know that educators can benefit from that and also not only uh, learn professionally and grow professionally, but create those type of experiences for their students in turn. Yeah, which I think is, I think this past year has taught us anything is that we need to be um, kind of expanding in that way. And I think the Edgyverse is, is really cool to be seeing that because we're seeing these types of things evolve in different areas, like in the sporting, you know, in sports where they're starting to, these types of things have already been piloted. Um, and I think the pandemic has, given those types of needs uh, arise in, you know, in need for teachers to be able to have access to that. But I think being able to jump into a different school setting and being able to see that in real life is even more powerful than just connecting them um, because you can kind of interact a little bit more and then, you know, students are going to be exposed to this later on. So if we're not bringing that to our teachers, then, then we're creating just a bigger gap in a broken system. And I think what you're saying about, you know, being able to leverage the teachers is also important because you were mentioning that um, with these masterminds, you're leveraging your own, the own, your own network to be able to create these, um, you know, trainings and PLC networks for teachers. And I think that that's the biggest underrepresented resource within our schools itself. So it's a great way to kind of build that teacher capacity and kind of lift them. Um, we've kind of discussed this offline, but you know, we know that teacher, there is a massive teacher shortage, right? Happening, has been happening for quite some time and even more so this year. I mean, everywhere you look, there's not enough subs, there's not enough teachers, there's all of that. So being able to create this eduverse and being able to create a different way for teachers to have this PLC and enriching environment, which they're so desperately seeking, I believe, and I'm sure you can speak to this a little bit more, will help to build that teacher capacity and hopefully help to um, kind of give the teachers a space to shine where they normally can't shine. Yeah, those are all really great points. And I think you said a lot in there uh, that we could pull apart, but I think one of your main points is that this is a way to help educators, right? It's a way to bring better resources to educators so that they're better equipped to teach. One of the reasons I think that there aren't a lot of educators and there's a shortage, not only because of, you know, the pay is because it's really hard. Teaching is a really hard thing to do. It's very taxing on your time. It's taxing on your physical energy, on your mental energy, on your emotional energy. And so I think that it's it's a hard trade-off to tell uh, a human that, hey, you should be an educator and uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, have the upper echelon of, of financing and but have the lower echelon of all of the energy it takes to do it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so creating better experiences for educators where they have to spend less energy, uh, less emotional energy at least uh, doing this is really important because the type of immersive environment that we're creating, the Edgyverse, 
it will not only allow you to access, say, a professional learning library and resources and, and, and ed tech vendors, right? Not only will it give you the resources that you physically need to be successful, but being able to talk to another educator and sharing your woes with them is really cathartic, right? And, and I think we can do that sometimes in our hallways or in our school buildings, but being able to do that from across the planet is not only going to help you emotionally, but it's also going to, I think, ignite a fire in educators. I think it's going to allow educators to see that we're all, as educators across the planet, experiencing very similar things. So why not get together and change it, right? Imagine this being a platform for revolutionizing what we do in education. So that, that, that's a really important, you know, uh, goal that we're, we're trying to move towards. And I think it's going to be organic. I, I don't want us to be the type of organization that says, this is what we're doing. It's a top-down sort of thing. And this is a revolution that's happening. It's going to be something that emerges from the grassroots. And it's going to be, it's going to only emerge if we can get educators together to talk about it. Yeah. And I think already what you've been doing has already been grassroots, um, you know, growing organically, which I think is um, what's been so neat to see from January to now, how much even of a network that there's been and how much evolving you've done. Um, and just something that you mentioned earlier was highlighting failures. And I think that that's a missed opportunity in in teaching itself, we're so quick to like, oh, I failed on this. I just should backseat it and I never take it out of, you know, I just never see it again. It's in a locked box. Um, but highlighting the failures is really what what is most powerful, more than just highlighting the successes. And I think that's that's something that you had mentioned was, you know, being able to highlight those failures. And I think you can see that, you know, with having to iterate you're iterating constantly because you're failing constantly. And that's just how it goes. And I think we can bring that to teachers and make them feel comfortable knowing that failure is okay. Then I think it also, I don't know, sparks greater joy. Yeah. I love that you said that because I, I think in, in our, in our profession, any profession, we elevate those that are successful and in education, the, you know, the success is deemed uh, based on your test scores and based on how, you know, student outcomes are and I, and I think to some extent that's valid because we do need some sort of metric to, to gauge whether, you know, students are learning, but at the same time, like who cares about test scores anymore, right? Like how is that even a good measure of what students can do in the long term? There's been so much research out there that none of these tests actually prepare kids for their career or for their life. So I, I think we do need to shift that conversation and make sure that educators understand that, you know, it's much better and much more, um, uh, and admirable if you are trying to experiment and innovate and and seeing small successes and seeing engagement and smiles from from students and seeing um, you know lifelong 21st century skills being taught in the classroom that maybe can't be measured and immediately rather than oh all of your kids got 100% on their math test you know mm -hmm. that doesn't really I, I I hope that doesn't really matter to most people anymore and I'm I'm positive it won't matter in the next five years. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think I think um, while we've seen a steady decline in test scores, right, from the pandemic, I would be interested to see what other skill sets the students walked away with. I think they really walked away with much more um, enriching skills <laughs> than just, although there were those that, you know, obviously we know some people were very affected by that, but I think that there are some different skill sets that the students walked away with that they would have never um, had the opportunity to, you know, experience prior to this 
you know, this life that we're now in. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's also a reevaluation of what skills are actually needed, right? I think the, the most of the tests that we have in our education system have come from the industrial era. They have come from a need of doing um, these very specific jobs that require those type of skills, but the jobs are, are changing. The workforce is completely different right now. You can be things that you had never imagined. I, I know people that are working from Bali and they're, you know, Bitcoin trader, traders mm -hmm. or, or people that are working, uh, you know, from New York and, and that are, you know, designing no-code websites for people. Mm -hmm. There's so many different things that people are doing. And I, and I think it would be ridiculous for us to, to superimpose the expectations that we had 100 years ago on what is possible for the next 100 years. And so, you know, regardless of whether you agree with tests or not, we have to, I'm sure that there is agreement that, you know, today's day is different than 100 years ago. We are in a different position. We are in a different spot, you know, in terms of our social, you know, engagements, in terms of our technology, in terms of where the planet is. And we need to accommodate that in the workforce and in education. And we just, we're... We're headed towards it, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, especially, you know, the old days, even, you know, when I was in school, you access new information by going to the library and finding right. a dated book um, or waiting for the news or the newspaper to find information where now I can find hundreds of different resources in less than a second. So, That's exactly right. Yeah. And so, so why are we teaching students these rote memorization skills when they can look it up on the internet in a second, right? There are yeah. some skills that obviously you need, you know, it's important for them to know the history and time, timelines of things, but do they really need to know really complex, you know, matrices and algebra when they can look it up online or they can, you know, get their phone out and just calculate it? Not sure about that. Yeah, I agree. I think the skill sets definitely are changing. Um, and, you know, even in even in more like low tech, you know, companies or, you know, anything like that, even if you take a if you go shopping, right, <laughs> there are not that many cashiers as there used to be. That just isn't where they're spending their time. They're shifting to online orders and kind of doing that. Or there's one person now manning 12 self-checkouts rather than just there used to be 12 people doing that job. So taking into consideration those different pieces and giving them those skill sets and knowing how to connect and communicate and, you know, will really set them up for what you're saying, jobs that do not exist um, right now. You know, there's so many, every time I talk to someone new, I'm like, wow, that's a job. I didn't even think that yeah. that was like a possibility. <laughs> so it's just really cool to see what comes from Shifting. Totally. Yeah. And I think that makes a greater case for proficiency-based education mm -hmm. too and portfolio-based education, which is, you know, we're, we're, we want to think about holistic skills mm -hmm. and not necessarily specific, you know, uh, skills that will teach them, you know, things in finite ways, but actually holistic skills that will allow them to transfer skills and, and critically think and, and things like that. And those are going to be way more important. I agree. And I think that also tying it back to K-20, that's kind of what you guys are doing as well as doing that like more portfolio, you know, teaching teachers those things because without teaching them, without exposing them, they will never know either. So that's also another powerful piece to the eduverse, metaverse, just the social networking that you're creating as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we're trying to model as much as we want to see in the education system. So if we can model how to use immersive technology, model how to use portfolios, model how to access your own 
professional learning, then we're hoping that educators will create similar experiences for students as well. Exactly. Um, so one last, we've had really, you know, enriching conversations and just one last final question for today is we've talked a lot about the future of education and kind of what we see, but, you know, 2025 is really quickly approaching. Um, and I think this will be a big year for everyone. Um, so where do you think education will be in 2025? That is a really difficult question. I love that question, but the reason it's difficult is because the world is evolving so quickly. And I, I think this is where I would want education to be, I'll phrase it this way. In 2025, I would love for there to be massive amounts of personalization. I think a hundred years ago, there was a need for things to be more standardized because there weren't enough people, there wasn't enough understanding of what students need. And there was also this understanding that uh, people learned in the same ways, but we know that that's not true. And so I would love for there to be far more personalization of experiences, not only for students under 18, but for all adults. Mm -hmm. I think there's a huge misconception in the world where adults feel like they can't learn as much as, you know, younger children can. But I did most of my learning in my, I would say, 20s. I, I think I did more learning in my 20s than I did uh, when I was a teenager or, or a, a child. And so I think that we all need to understand that regardless of whether you're 60 or you're 16, that you can actually grow and change. And so personalization of learning is, I think, going to be sort of the, the key ticket to ensuring that we can do a lot of things. But I think that um, AI-enabled personalization will be really important. And it's not necessarily to replace educators because we still need responsiveness and we still need feedback. And I'm not sure AI would be able to do that in a way that actually appeals to the human sentiment. But um, I, I think it's important that we leverage that technology to create those personalized experiences. Um, I think credentials are going to be much more decentralized. They're already starting to become decentralized. I don't believe in large institutions and, you know, pedigrees that don't necessarily mean anything and only mean something because of, you know, the hundred years of, of tradition that they have. Um, so I think those are going to be quickly dismantled. Um, and collaboration, social collaboration and social engagement is going to be huge and it already is huge. And I think that's going to be the main way that, uh, that students engage with each other. So I guess those are the three things, uh, social learning, personalization, and decentralized learning. And I think that's a, that could be a whole podcast in itself. Those three, <laughs> those three things, definitely the decentralization. I think we've definitely seen that shift for sure happening in the last year or so. So um, I'm interested to see how this comes to fruition. Um, so we're going to wrap up today's interview. So I do want to thank you so much today for joining today's episode of the Voices of E-Learning. And thank you so much to Vriti for sharing all about K-20. Um, be sure to check out any of the podcast streaming services or find all of our episodes on the MarketScale website. And as always, you can find the resources below in the show notes, and we will make sure to link all of Vriti's information and the work that she's doing below in all of the episode show notes. And don't forget to join us for future interviews or check out past podcast episodes. And as always, keep learning. We'll see you guys soon. Bye.